are listening to Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast, a part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, Into the Valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined, as always, by Philip Russell. We are missing the third wheel of our tricycle. That made it sound invaluable, but in reality, it is what it makes a tricycle a tricycle, and that is Ryan. Uh, Ryan is holed up in a hotel in Texas because his flight back home to Tampa got canceled. And unfortunately the hotel Wi-Fi was not going to cut it. So we do miss him, but we do want to welcome you listening uh, on any audio platform or watching here on YouTube. We want to welcome you into the Valley. Philip, how are you doing on this Tuesday evening? I'm pretty good, man. I'm very excited for this season to begin. We got some, we got some storylines we need to talk about, but we're inching ever closer to actually watching basketball. And then a couple weeks after that, watching basketball that matters. And that's a very good thing. It is. We actually have uh, a storyboard sounds like way more. A game plan is probably the word I'm looking for here. A game plan of what our episodes are going to look like going into the season. And it's actually talking about basketball and what's going to be on the court. And that's really exciting because that is what we enjoy talking about. But wanted to go ahead and start by saying, if you are listening for the first time, thank you for checking us out. Uh, thank you to the Bright Side of the Sun folks for giving us a place to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. You can find us on any of their podcast platforms or on YouTube at Into the Valley of Phoenix Suns podcast. And we record live. So if you are one of the folks watching right now, thank you as well. Wanted to go ahead. And start by picking up where we left off. Uh, now, I will openly say I'm excited about the tone of tonight's episode. Last episode was tough to get through, to be quite honest with you. We went on a, I don't know if we can call it a deep dive. It's not Baxter Holmes level deep. I would say we waded uh, into the middle of the pool in covering the Sarver story, the investigation that went along with it and the findings. And we get to start this episode with, in my opinion, some fantastic news. And Philip, what is that? Sarver sold the team or is in the process of selling the team. Hopefully, hopefully. <clears throat> I put that I put that in the, uh, the YouTube d- details as I was setting up this video. It was like, the end of the Sarver saga, in parentheses, we hope. Because... Robert Sarver has announced that he does have the intention of selling the team. What that looks like, we don't quite know. There have been interesting reports come out. Uh, Philip and I actually were talking off air about this not long ago. It sounds like Sarver can actually sell the entire team, not just his majority ownership that still is, I think, like 30 some odd percent. So it'll be interesting seeing how that plays out. There's Vegas odds for who the next owner will be. I think that's hilarious. Uh, names such as Phil Knight with Nike, Jeff Bezos of the Bo Burnham song, and uh, Rob Iger, Bobby Iger of Disney, one of my faves. So that'll be interesting, but I don't think we can really speculate too much. I think it's important to note that it's happening, but after that, that is about it. Is there any any piece of the Sarver story as we hopefully bring it to a close for a bit that you wanted to touch on or mention, Philip, before we keep this thing rolling? Do you remember the end of the movie U.S. Marshals? U.S. Marshals? Yes. Not We so, Are Marshall? Nah, so this is the uh, 
This is the sequel to The Fugitive with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Oh my. There's a guy who's been wrongly convicted. He goes on the run. He finally gets his name cleared and they ask him, they go, how does it feel? And he looks at the TV camera and goes, it feels righteous. When I heard that Sarver was selling the team, that was basically my reaction. This is righteous. This is just, this is the right outcome for the situation. He does not deserve to be a part of the Phoenix Suns. Now, if there was a way to manipulate this so that he didn't have a filthy, rich last day as Phoenix Suns owner, I think that would be even better. But him stepping aside is a good and right outcome after all of this. And we we talked about it last week, but within within the report, the law office tried to thread this needle saying that Sarver wasn't motivated by things like racial animus. He wasn't oh, motivated the word, by the word animus made me so annoyed. Yes. Oh. But here's the deal. And I just want to punctuate our talks about Sarver with this story. It was a story that was documented in the report. In 2016, the coach thought that this a coach thought that the Suns needed more diversity. And Sarver responded, No, no, no. I hate diversity. When pressed, Sarver doubled down and said, When you have diversity, people don't agree. And the report itself said both the coach and the witness understood the exchange was about racial diversity. And then it goes on to say, Reasonable parties would understand that whole conversation to have been about racial diversity, which Sarver said, no, 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 I hate it. Again, the law office was trying to thread the needle and say that was insensitive. It was deliberately contrarian. It wasn't racial animus. He was racist. He was racist in his time as the Phoenix Suns owner, and it's good and right to remove him from the spotlight that he had with it hundred percent. And uh, he'll get brought up again, unfortunately, as we continue and we move on to media day, but let's move past Sarver. Let's move on to, in my opinion, a very weird, wonderful story. And that is Jay Crowder. And what has come of boss man, 99, the sun's starting power forward. And boy, out of left field, you know, like on Twitter all summer, if you guys are Twitter sleuths, which it seems like a lot of Suns Twitter happens to be, lots of screen grabbing before things get deleted. Bossman99 had a tendency of either replying to certain fan bases' tweets or using weird, ambiguous language about what's coming next in his life or in his career interacting with Celtics and Heat fans, a lot of the teams he's been with. Weird, weird, janky things. And then it comes out that Jay Crowder will not be participating in Media Day, will no longer be participating from what we've gathered in team activities, and that James Jones and Jay Crowder have decided that they will be working together to find him a new destination. Now, that in and of itself is a story. My story that I want to focus on is the Jay Crowder hype video <laughs> that was released on his Instagram story within an hour 
of the story breaking. Within an hour of the story about him looking for a trade destination, Jay Crowder, once again, boss man himself, has a like highly produced and edited hype video that is just talking. It's kind of like one of those like inspirational music, voice from above, narrating the importance of ethic and work, and him doing like rope drills and hitting shots with coaches. And my goodness, it was it was a masterclass. Like the way I felt about it, it brought me back to high school watching like John Wall mixtapes. Like that overproduced slow-mo rewind slow-mo on a layup type stuff. And also talk about Jay Crowder. What type of plays does Jay Crowder make that you think would jump off the screen to you? A really good pick, a solid rebound, him counting to four after being fouled on a three. Like it's incredible that he thought this announcement's going to come. I got to be ready. I got to make sure that if the Celtics social media manager checks out my story, they're going to be like, oh my goodness, coach, actually Celtics coach, probably not the one to reach out to you right now, owner or general manager, have you seen this Jay Crowder video? He's in great shape, and I think he would be a great addition. Like, what do you think was going on, whether you're Jay Crowder's agent manager himself what leads you to doing that because that's honestly my favorite story of the entire summer i've been watching i'm all over it with pop culture references tonight but they're all old pop culture references (laughs) my wife and i are watching the west wing right now so they talk a lot about like curating the message and having good pr and like staying on message and stuff i don't know if jay crowder has a pr guy or if there's a pr person at his agency who could have helped him out. I don't know if hyping yourself up is the right move for a guy who's an aging three and D kind of dude. Who's threes. A lot of times hit barely hit the broad side of a barn. So I, I don't know. And then his Twitter, can I read his Twitter? Yes, please. Okay. Two days ago, we're recording on the 27th. This is from September 25th. Also, anyone anyone watching, I want to say, anyone watching or listening right now on YouTube, feel free to hop in the comments and share your Jay Crowder thoughts because, oh, just beautiful. One must seek work where he is wanted. This is me adding it. Nay, where he is needed, period, exclamation point. I am thankful for what these past two years have taught me, period, exclamation point. Now I must take on another challenge with continued hard work and dedication, period, exclamation point. Of course. For those who've closed the door on me, ellipsis, and then a lingering period, Uh thank you. Thank you. 99 back soon. Ninja emoji, hush emoji, silence emoji. Oh my goodness, he's amazing. So he yelled at us all like he usually does, and now he's going to be quiet for a while, I think is how we understand this. I don't know. I don't understand part of this in the NBA. He seems like the kind of guy whose job it is to just keep your head down, make plays. You're not going to be the star of the show. You're not going to be heralded as this incredibly great player. You have a role to play. A lot of times it's a pretty small role. It's a pretty simple role. Go out and do it to the best of your abilities. Sometimes that's 50% from three. More than not, that's about 20% from three. It feels like for a Jay Crowder type. But this 
overproduced hype for a pretty good role player, it rubs me the wrong way. And I want to make two quick points on that. First of all, I think any Suns fan who who watched legitimately what Jay Crowder did for the team, what he provided, realizes that him leaving is a loss. It is. It's not a. This isn't Alfred Payton. Sorry, Alfred, <laughs> catching a stray, putting like a mixtape out there about what he did. I guess right. Like Jay Crowder is valuable. He has value, and you can see it on. Windhorse and everyone else's article of like the line of teams that could be interested. But that type of video does not equal Jay Crowder when it turn when it comes to the type of player. And I think that's what you're saying. That type of player doing something like this is weird. This isn't a LeBron the decision, right? Like this is Jay Crowder saying, I have one year left on my deal. I want to go elsewhere. And we're going to touch on maybe the whys of why this has happened a little later. Um, because, man, I, I don't know. But opening the video with him sitting on the uh, the media table in the F.J. Crowder shirt, sh- like, my goodness, it's good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he accomplished what he set out to accomplish. And I think part of that was hyping himself up, a check, and given the people what they wanted, even bigger check. It it got a good laugh out of me. I've watched it multiple times, and I love it. Like he's leaving. I know some people don't like what's happening. He will leave even more in my good graces because of this. Because this is hilarious. It is funny. Maybe I'm sitting here thinking maybe he was the one who gave the Suns social media team the idea to post those workout videos like on a Wednesday night in February after the game. Maybe that was Jay Crowder's baby all along. But again, just to contextualize the kind of guy this is who's posting a hype video about himself, this past season, he added a floater to his game and we were like, whoa, this is crazy. He's a, yeah, he's really bringing bringing some sauce to the table this this year again when he added a floater to his to his repertoire so he is who he is he's a good player he can help winning teams as he helped the suns but it's just this hype video is a little much i love it uh speaking of jay crowder and things that got said about him as we move on to talk about media day which has been going on uh starting two days ago wrapping up some more stuff coming out today or i guess yesterday and today One common thread from all of the players when asked about Jay Crowder was how much they loved him. Everyone referred to 99, what he provided, what they learned from him. So it does seem like everyone is kind of on board with like, look, this is a business move. It's in his best interest. We wish he was still here. But you know what? It is what it is. So I don't think there's any... Maybe there is like secretly, but it doesn't seem like there's any public love lost between the Suns players and Jay Crowder. I'm guessing there's some love lost between Jay and James Jones or maybe even Monty uh, as we look forward to what maybe spurred this. But with that, let's talk media day. And Philip, I've created a very simple game that we will participate in just to kind of focus our minds walk us through media day and we're going to be playing a game called does this matter (laughs) now 
if you're watching on YouTube, I want you to know you get the added benefit of a beautiful Google Slides presentation that I put together so that we can all look at the quotes together. That said, I will read them slowly so everyone can follow along. And so here's our game. Does this matter? And here is the idea. I went through watching YouTube, looking at the wonderful folks like Gerald, Kellen, Dwayne, others who were there on site, listening to these interviews, taking all the good stuff and delivering it to us, the fans. I've taken some of the quotes that stood out the most to me, and I want us to start each one with the general question of, does this matter? Media Day is a lot of fluff, in my opinion, but I do think there's some good stuff in there. And I also have some follow-up questions for a few of these as we look at what is being said and who's saying it. So we open up with James Jones. The quote, the narrative that we don't have enough is false. Now, this is James Jones addressing the Kevin Durant rumors, the lack of changes that happened within that big swing and a potential miss, and what the Suns ended up bringing in. It was within the general big picture of what's going to happen this year because it seems like most people aren't sold that you guys got better. So again, the narrative that we don't have enough is false from James Jones. Philip, does that matter? No. Do I get to elaborate? Absolutely. He's lying. He's lying, but it's also his job to lie in that sort of moment. It's like there are, there are trash football teams. I don't. I watched the most football I've watched in years last night when I was on the treadmill at the gym and Monday night football was on and it was a quarter and a half. So I'm not, I'm no football expert, but if you go up to a coach or a GM of an NFL team right before week one, it's like, Hey, are you guys going to be good this year? Every single coach, every single general general manager, unless you're Greg Popovich. I was, just about, I was just about to say Greg is Popovich going, is going to say, yeah, we have a shot. We can be really good this year. So for a team that won 60 plus games last year that had, we could potentially say a COVID issue, cut their playoff run short, regardless of who they're bringing back, they're going to posit that they are in a good position, that they're in a position to compete. Now, it doesn't matter that he's saying that because again, I think he's wrong. I don't think and this we'll cover this in a couple weeks more in depth. I don't think the Suns are contenders as the roster is currently constructed. I think they're middle of the playoff tier in the Western Conference, which is fine. That's a good place to be as an NBA team, but he's doing what he's supposed to do as the general manager. So my follow-up question to that was, I agree. I think he's lying. Do you think he could somehow believe that he's telling the truth? No. I don't either. He's how long too he's too smart. Yeah. And he's how long champ. has he been around the game? Right. That right. And I, I agree with your assessment on the team as a whole. Uh you can look at the NBA historically. Teams that are the fourth or fifth seed aren't in the NBA finals very often. It's not the NFL where the playoff system is a you play one game and you have like you're not gonna see the Cincinnati Bengals happen again you're not going to see it happen in football again more than likely if you're looking statistically speaking especially like the eli manning giants like those are anomalies and outliers you don't see that in the nba because it's long series it's very clear that opportunities are given for the better teams to make it out and right now i don't think that's how we're put together 
if you're looking at what we have lost and what we have brought back, we had a conversation about this a couple weeks ago, but now you're adding another piece to it, which is you have now lost JaVale McGee and Jay Crowder. And you look at the players that have been brought in and the headliners are the likes of Josh Akogi and Damian Lee, right? Like I, it, that's a tough sell for me, man. That's a tough sell. Let's go ahead and move on to quote number two. Monty Williams, this one made me chuckle. Regarding the team, their improvement, and once again, the lack of new blood potentially bringing them to a new level, he discussed how impressed he has been with the work ethic he has seen from the players he's had. Quote, we've had more guys in our gym this summer than any time I've been here. Philip, does this matter? No. I don't, I just, <laughs> sure. I just don't care about a GM or a coach saying, man, we've really been working hard. I care about as much of Monty saying this as I would about Jay Crowder's hype video. If I was a GM interested in trading for him, I don't, I don't put any stock in the hype video. I don't put any stock in the implication that Jay's been in the lab at Georgia tech the last several weeks like it just it's a great basketball phrase by the way they're in the lab man yeah that's what that's what he that's what he had like he's working on dribble moves oh maybe we're gonna put jay crowder on ball no you're not you're gonna stick him in the corner and say i hope he doesn't hit the side of the backboard when he yaks up the threes he's going to get so again monty's doing his job Monty is saying our guys have been working hard that's what you want to hear from your coach and ideally i don't I don't have any reason to believe that Monty's lying here. He's saying what he should. He's giving his guys props for putting in work outside of training camp. That's fine. My incredibly pessimistic approach to this quote is like, yeah, probably because the type of guys that have nothing else to do, but go to the gym during an entire summer are guys like Josh Akogi and Jock Landale and Mikhail and Cam, because they're not superstars who have, 10 other things going on that we'd be like, oh yeah, I mean, go for it, please. Like, Devin Booker, you go do whatever you want, my guy. Just show up and get buckets for me because you're Devin Booker. These other guys, of course they're hitting the gym. They're in there grinding for minutes. They got to get their four minutes a game. They don't want to be the last guy off the bench. So yes, I do believe what Monty is saying. And I'm glad, honestly, putting away my pessimism, I'm glad the guys are spending time together. One of the things I picked up on watching the the videos online of some of the newer role players or less than role players in their interviews is it seemed like they had good chemistry with the core. It seemed like they have they have gelled well. Josh Kogi talking about stories of Mikhail in practice and what they've seen, not even practice really, just that gym time, that lab work. Like you see it, and that's good, but again. I don't think it means anything. What else is it going to say? I still love Monty. Next up, Chris Paul. When asked if there was anything he has learned or dwelled on, dwelt on? I don't know. From Game 7's loss to the Mavericks, he answered, honestly, not really. Does that matter to you, Philip? You're going to pick up on a theme. No. And I'm also going to give Mike and Sam of the timeline a shout out. They, one of them made a really good point on their most recent podcast about this quote exactly and said, 
many of us think he was sick and a lot of people think he had COVID. So if he had COVID, what's he going to do? Stew on the fact that he was sick for the summer? Like what's he, how would he bring that into training right. camp? How would you learn anything from that? And then even for a veteran like Chris Paul, you can also say maybe he just played terribly. And if he just played terribly, I don't know why you would want someone stewing on that for an entire summer. That doesn't exactly seem like a healthy some, way to approach some of the your other, life. Some of the other players willingly said that they've used it as uh, a constant motivator, something they don't want to forget. They want to feel like they've been punched in the face and like remember that. So like, uh, you can just tell he's at a point of life where he's like, nope, I was with my kids. I was enjoying family time, right? Like, Yeah. Priorities. He's a veteran. He knows what he needs to do to be ready for the season. He probably understands that the season's going to look a little, di- it'll hopefully look a little different from previous seasons. He knows how to handle the off season. And if he needs additional motivation, I think that would be more surprising than him just saying, I just kind of moved on. Yeah. I mean, I, I think too, like if you are a fan who genuinely has questions about Chris's loyalty or devotion or drive to win a championship. I think you're in a rare minority. Like, I don't think there's anything else he could do to prove it. I think every story that has come out from Houston, from OKC, from LA, from anecdotes, from JJ Reddick, like you have to know that this guy does not need some extra fuel to the fire. The guy wants a ring and it's very clear. So I agree I saw that this one rubbed some people the wrong way. I personally was like, I mean, what what else are you going to do about it? But, hey, everyone has their opinions. Cam Johnson, when discussing a possible extension, said, quote, we're working on it, and my hope is that we can come to an agreement. Now, the reason I put this one on there is because this question has been asked of multiple players, multiple different teams, including Suns players over the last couple of years. And you'll get different answers. Sometimes the, I'm going to go out and play my game. I'm going to show them what I can do. The, well, you know, I'm going to let my agents handle this conversation. What I took from this quote is that Cam is clearly saying and putting it out there like, I would like this to get done. And I think he has said this before. But anything anything you take away from this or anything about kind of Cam's situation that you've got any thoughts on? Because Jay's absence absolutely is going to have an impact on this i think yeah and i think there could be a deal in place agreed upon or pretty much agreed upon already with the agreement to trade jay because i think what's underneath crowder wanting to leave was the idea that cam was going to get the starting role that they were going to at the very least increase cam's minutes in place of Jay. And because of that, you would imagine the reason you would do that is because you're about to invest in the younger, more athletic, better shooting Cam Johnson. Well, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and hop over there. I'll skip a couple slides ahead. This was from uh, our man, Gerald with PHNX sports. He said in the piece he wrote, according to ESPN's Brian Windhorst. So I'm like quoting a quote of a quote. uh, It was that potential lineup change cam moving into the starting unit that triggered crowder's trade request 
that is a summation of a full paragraph, but basically from top to bottom, how it was reported by ESPN, Crowder wanted his money. He had seen Paul, Book, Landry, Kale, and now DA all get paid. And it seemed from those outside and from sources, he was wanting his money based on what he had provided going into the last year of his three-year 30 million or 33 million deal. And not only was he not getting that, it seemed from sources, multiple sources, that Cam Johnson was going to be moved into the starting unit. And that seemed to be the final straw in Jay Crowder getting to this conclusion. We've talked about this at length. The Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, who should be starting? Does it matter? Can the minute switch to where Cam's playing the majority, even if Jay is the first one out there, right? We've had this conversation over and over. Are you surprised that, again, from whatever sources, that it was common knowledge, it seemed, within the locker room that Cam Johnson was going to be the starting four moving forward? No, because I think it was it was pretty clear watching last year that Cam had an upside that Jay just doesn't have. And again, I've bashed Jay a little bit for the hype video, but as a player, he's a good player, can contribute to a winning team. I think can contribute to a championship team unquestionably in the NBA. But there was a level that Cam Johnson was reaching in the second half of the season that Jay just doesn't have. Yeah, And then because of that, Cam got injured, didn't bounce back as well from his injury towards the end of the year. But because of what Cam was showing, it made the most sense this season to pivot into featuring him more in the offense and the lineup even more generally. Yeah, and Cam had a quote I didn't include here talking about his injury and recovering from it. Uh, And for those listening, if you remember kind of in the timeline of last season, Cam had the highest of highs immediately followed by the lowest of lows. He got hurt midway through that Knicks game where he not only took over but had the game winner and then immediately needed a week off for an injury that then didn't quite go away. And he talked about it a bit today, basically saying, uh, like his brain knew what he needed to do, but his body wasn't able to do it because of the recovery, because of the fatigue and the work that was put on his body and his muscles. And it was frustrating. He he seemed frustrated at the output he was giving, I think specifically within the playoff setting, because he knew he could do more and had shown that he could do more. But I'm with you. I think the move from Cam into the starting spot made the most sense. I do think... If I'm being honest, I am surprised that that one thing alone would move Jay to having the desire to get what he's now getting. I think the money thing has to be involved. I Not as many people have talked about that aspect of it, but I don't see Jay Crowder being like, oh, I lost my starting spot. I'm out. It, I think money's got to be a part of it with all the players talking about it's a business. It's a business. It's best for him. I know stuff, but I can't talk more about it. Uh, Bismack said that of all people. It seems like he was getting to the end of a deal and he needed to make sure he was getting on the court enough to show someone else he was worth more money than, you know, and I don't know, half of an MLE or something like that. So I, I think it's tough for Jay. And again, I hate that he's leaving, but the cam situation, I'm I'm all for it. 
All right, next one. This is this is the biggest uh, potential BS test I think within the within our group of quotes today. Mikhail Bridges, I did forget about the whole Brooklyn situation. He goes on to say Phoenix is his new home, and quote, I don't ever want to leave. Now, Philip, I'm going to give you the option here of is does this matter, and is it all true, all false, or a little bit of both? I think Mikhail is probably comfortable enough in his own skin to recognize that if there was a possibility of he and one other player being traded for Kevin Durant, that's not a slight on him. That's Mm -hmm. not an indictment of his skill as a basketball player. That is an all-timer coming back in return. And I, he just comes across as a kind of guy who would be able to say, Yes, Kevin Durant is better than me at basketball. I understand why I would be traded. However, however, he seems to genuinely love being a Phoenix son, being in Phoenix, being around the team. So his saying, I did forget about the whole Brooklyn situation. No, he didn't. But I think what he's what he's giving us is it's water under a bridge and he's still glad to be on the Suns. Yeah. I I agree. I think he he likes the pl- I mean this summer was great. You got videos of him karaokeing and partying in areas around Phoenix and Tempe maybe like he seems to genuinely enjoy being there with the people he has. I think having Cam Johnson there is the equivalent of him having a brother there. One of my biggest surprises from the summer and maybe it's silly was how openly he spoke about his love of DA. He repeatedly talked about DA being, you know, a brother, one of his best friends. And I didn't think that was garbage personally. Like it seemed genuine. And so I think he's happy to stay with the group that he's with. And again, I'm kind of with you. If if I'm involved in talks as the piece in a Kevin Durant trade, like you've got to take that as a compliment especially following the season he's having with the recognition that he received from the media for the first time. I think Mikhail's primed for a great season. And I think he's doing everything he can to kind of distance himself from the drama of the summer uh, and keep on moving campaign. I just thought this one was, was funny Uh, when asked about the Kevin Durant trade rumors in which he was involved in terms of his name being thrown out there. He said, when he saw the Kevin Durant rumors, quote, my heart dropped and then finished it with, thank the Lord it didn't happen. Does this matter or is it just funny? <laughs> it's funny because it's like, from whose perspective are we thankful I know. that it didn't happen? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I mean, personally, I wasn't thrilled it didn't happen, but I'm glad that you don't have to redo your tattoo of, you know, the valley. That's great, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Oh, man, that one. It was just funny seeing someone saying regarding Kevin Durant not coming to Phoenix. Thank the Lord it didn't happen. I'm like, brother, you are one of very few people who uh, are speaking that out into the ether. But anyway, campaign that was that was intended for Ryan, who who couldn't be here due to Internet issues. Not to say campaigns quotes aren't very important to us here at Into the Valley, but got to play to your audience. You know what I mean? Landry Shamit, our boy. The guy who we we gave love, the hype train was there. 
people started hopping on board. We started getting a few little extra passengers in the old caboose. Landry Shamit, quote, the year I had last year, that's not what I'm capable of. I saw what this one kind of got me. I saw what a lot of people said about me or my last year. I saw it. I respect it. I'm my own biggest critic. How do you feel about Landry kind of owning up to last year and also addressing, in my opinion, a very weird, loud group of people who do seem very critical of anything he does? I think it's good. Landry did leave something to be desired, but he also just didn't play. I felt like he was weirdly underutilized last year, which I'm saying he was, it's weird to say he was underutilized because he didn't perform particularly well, but it's kind of like Cam Johnson. There's, there's a point where you have to give guys like Landry and to some respect guys like Cam enough of a runway to get into the rhythm of the games. And I, there were few times during the season where I thought he was getting enough and consistent minutes to actually find his rhythm, to find his place in the offense, because we could go back and we could find low points in Landry's performances. But we've also talked about, he was the one of the only guys that showed up in game seven, who seemed like he wanted some of the action, who seemed like he wanted to have his nose in, in that game. So there were bright spots to Landry's last year. So what I'm, what I'm thinking Landry is capable of is a decent to good second, third string guard. And if he's that, then that's what you, that's what you want from him. It was too much to try to consolidate into a concise quote, but Landry actually did touch on and was questioned about his role and what it was and did touch on his desire to be more of a playmaker and have the ball in his hands more. And I think that's when we saw him at his best. Uh, we've, we've talked before when he came to the league, he was not a stand in a corner and shoot threes guy. He was a guard of the year player of the year in the conference with Wichita state five plus assists per game. Like that is something he has been comfortable with in one point of his career. I'm hoping we see that more. I also hope that that means we see Chris Paul's minutes go down into the 20s. And with that, we see other people get opportunities. Monty actually made a mention of getting more people opportunities to initiate the offense uh, within one of his quotes as well that I didn't include. So hopefully we do see that opportunity for growth for Landry. Um, DeAndre Ayton, this was, this was the story in terms of national media, Suns Twitter, which is always undefeated i guess when asked are you happy here in phoenix talking about his new contract deandre ayton said and i'm gonna try to match his tone here yeah i'm all right how are we feeling about that philip this is the only thing that i wrote down that i really took away from media day his general vibe and then his follow-up about he and Monty still not talking. I'm sorry, sir. Are you referring to this very quote? Yes. Yes. I am worried. The, the peak of DA and Monty's relationship, you might, you might be able to predict where I'm going with this, was that game in the finals when he 
was struggling and Monty knelt down next to him during the timeout and said, go dominate with force. Go be the physical presence. He went out. He'd helped turn the game around. The Suns won that game. I don't remember exactly which game it was in the finals. I think it might have been game two. That was great. But that showed that DA and Monty had a good enough relationship where Monty could have a personal intimate moment there where he could speak into DA's mind and it would show up on the court. If this is indicative of how DA is going to feel about Monty or how he's going to feel about the Suns, then I am going to be very concerned about not his level of productivity because I think his box scores will be there. But we all know, those of us who watch the Suns a lot, there is an eye test to DA. There are, there's a Dr. Jack and Mr. Hyde thing with DA, excuse me, that goes on. There's, I've got an endless motor DA and there's the, I'm just kind of hobby jogging DA. With his general vibe the last couple of days, I would be worried that the more laxed hobby jogging DA is the one we're going to see. But looking at the bright side, Maybe he was just up late playing video games the night before. I'm not going to take the bait on that one. Uh, Yes, for those who didn't see the quotes themselves. So again, DA talking about his new contract staying in Phoenix. Yeah, I'm all right with very little emotion. And then when talking today about how him and Monty have moved on, he said that they have not talked at all ever since the game seven interaction that is months of time months of time where they have not spoken now monty was asked about this later obviously that is something the reporters will ask him after being told by the player that they've not talked not only that think about the contract discussions the amount of interaction these parties have had and monty said this and i kind of summed it up I haven't talked to a bunch of them, speaking about the players. They needed a break from me. And then when asked if the Aiton situation would be a lingering issue, he says, not at all. Now, Philip, do you think this is Monty just trying to cover for Aiton by talking about his interactions with the entire team? Do you think Monty thought it would be worthwhile to have a mental reset for the guys away from him and away from basketball? And do you genuinely think that he believes that this isn't going to be a lingering issue? Because I had a lot of issues, not with him saying it, because again, he has to, like you said earlier. But man, this just does not pass the vibe check for me. There's just no way. I think Monty can move on because of the kind of guy he is. I'm pretty sure Monty and Chris Paul had beef back Mm -hmm. in the day, and they work together just fine. Now, I'm less sure about DA just because of age, general disposition, some of what we know about him. We'll say just in a professional capacity, that's where the issue lies with me. Monty, he'll do what he needs to do as the coach. I'm more worried about DA. One thing that was interesting, and I'm trying to find the quote because I didn't want to go over the top, over the top. Here it is. Yeah. So this is following up after the question about, is he happy in Phoenix? DA says, yeah, I'm all right. 
then asked afterwards what he'd want to say to Monty, he replied, I can show him better than I can tell him. Now, was that a fortune cookie that he read and thought made the most sense? Is this a, I've not spoken to him, nor do I anticipate talking to him about it. I'm just going to go work hard. Because going back to what you said, peak DA for us, in our opinion, was him receiving a message in the heart and in the mind, and then being led and motivated to go show it. And it, it was sustainable. It was not a quick one minute of success. It was, this guy looks like he gets it. Now, if DA is saying, I'm just going to go show it, whatever that means, and you've already talked, whenever he decides to be just like high motor sometimes, but not really mentally in it, it's not a success. It either peters out quickly or just doesn't even connect to begin with. I am nervous that Aiton, for some reason, is now going to be like, I don't have to make amends. I just have to go prove my worth on the court. And I don't think he has the sustainable success for that to work. So when something goes awry and you don't have a working relationship with those around you to walk, to talk through it and figure it out and make it right, things will implode. There is no ability to figure it out when you're on an island. So with that all said, I am, I am a little nervous about DeAndre Ayton on this team with four years of financial security saying, what are you going to do? Right? You can trade me to somewhere that isn't Indiana come, what, January 15th? But until then, you signed me. Right? You went about it in a wrong way that obviously speculation seems to be sticking with them based on the fact that the personality of the human we just watched on video and in person for the reporters was a different human than the one we saw a year ago in that same chair, let alone throughout the season. Like the way he was talking during the Maverick series to the reporter about his video games sounded like a jovial, happy guy who's in his young 20s. This seemed like if Jay Crowder was leaving on bad terms and he's just like, screw it. What do you want me to say? Nope, haven't talked to the coach. Nope, nothing nothing really to talk about. I'm just going to go show it. That is just like red flag after red flag to me. It is It is concerning. And I have seen some people, the magic some people, Try to make this out to be like a, this is him maturing. This is him. This is him showing us up. This is him hearing all this noise and going Mamba mode and shutting it out. I I hope so. I don't know what dots you connected to lead you to that. Like, again, the last public statement we got was the interview from the magazine. He's not had a full interview since. There's been nothing to prove it. That somehow we just think in a span of three months, he has gone from the demeanor of a fun-loving Bahamian man who finds joy playing basketball and is happy to be here to a 45-year-old coal miner who's like, time to clock in. 
right? That's this is what I do. I put my hard hat on, and I'm just going to show how. Like, how on earth do we think that that is what has happened? How does that make any sense to you? Of like, he's a new man now. Like, help me there. Like, am I nuts for thinking that's just the most ridiculous take? No, and I think pulling back a little bit from just DA, I'm big on vibes when it comes to a team. And I know talking about vibes can kind of be nebulous, but when you're part of a team that has to be around each other for a significant amount of time for such a lengthy season, it becomes grueling no matter how good the camaraderie is. Like it is just hard work to be a part of any kind of team. And then especially professional sports team, where the travel is hard, your sleep schedule gets all messed up, you're playing in all of these games, sometimes back-to-back nights. Hard work is even harder when there's tension, and especially when there's palpable tension. But when there's joy and the camaraderie is good and fun and lighthearted, that's when the hard work just seems easier than it could. So again, what I'm a little worried about as far as DA is concerned is will his general disposition of, yeah, I'm all right, contribute to worse vibes on the team. And if that's the case, the season is just going to feel longer for everybody who's close to DA and around him. Yeah. I, I don't know. And again, going back to the vibe check, there were a lot of odd emotions and feelings i think coming from media day in a lot of that i think justifiably comes from the sarver situation almost every single player had to open up their interview talking about robert sarver that is not a fun yay we're back together let's play basketball thing so the the hesitation in the answers and the lack of jovial responses coming straight from a tell us about robert sarver what you saw and what's happened straight to the can't you wait to dunk with your buddies? Like, I get that. You're not going to just flip the switch and become someone else, right? But what what I think we saw in Aiton was not the same thing we saw in the other players. In my opinion, watching watching the transition from the answers, I thought Aiton handled the Sarver questions great. I thought Mikhail and Cam, I thought a lot of the young guys handled that question really well. I think some people didn't like the James Jones Booker answer of that's not the guy I saw. I'm okay with it because I think they're telling the truth, right? Like I thought DA did well with that. The attitude that you could tell was behind his answers to the Monty related questions, the Suns related questions, the basketball related questions was a different story. And for that, I, I'm I'm a little nervous. I'm intrigued. I, I don't know. I don't know. Winning covers a multitude of wrongs, right? Like you can, they can have an awful camp where everyone secretly is annoyed at him or he's annoyed at them or they all hate Monty. I don't know. And they go start 10 and 0. I think people are going to be all right. My concern is what happens if that winning doesn't start? And then we go back to the very first quote and the two of us ask the question, are the Suns better or more equipped this year than last year? I think we both would say no. So with that in mind, it might not be nuts to think that they start to a rockier start that some may expect. We shall see. Happy media day. I mean, (laughs) 
I don't know, man. Anything anything else from, from Media Day, from, from Jay Crowder hype video that, that you want to touch on before we kind of preview what's coming next in the Into the Valley uh, universe here? Nah, man. I'm good. I'm excited for games. Can't we, wait. I, yeah, basketball is going to be great. Well, for those still listening, we want to again thank you all for joining. Uh, want to give you a little preview of what is coming up next. Next week, uh, we are going to start previewing the roster itself, starting with the guards, moving the following week to previewing the wings and the bigs. And all the while, we're also going to be incorporating some smaller topics, talking about the Western Conference and what it's looking like, what's happening out east with all the changes going on there, who we can think maybe we can run into uh, if the Suns put together a good run. And then finally, uh, right before the season starts, a Suns season preview predictions, all that good stuff, all the stuff that will make us look either really smart or really stupid as the season progresses. Uh, But we're excited. We're close enough to actual on-the-court basketball that we can start putting this together. Uh, And want to, again, say, if you are listening, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, we know that some of you crazy folks are out there because we see the numbers. We appreciate you listening in the middle of July and August and September to us talk about a basketball team that isn't playing basketball. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and feel free to reach out on Twitter at the Valley PHX just to say hello. Uh, feel free to share any of your thoughts on what we said in this episode uh, and feel free to retweet our, our stuff. I think we have noticed the biggest spread in listenership and, and growth just from the folks like you all listening and sharing it to the people within your Phoenix Suns network. So we appreciate all the love. Uh, Ryan, who's not here with us, is sending his love through the comments. But for Philip and Ryan, who's not with us, I am Ethan Shutt. This is Into the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast. We out.